Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're gonna do, we, we've been doing this series on worship called Fascinate, and I thought it would be really cool to end this series with kind of a conversation about worship. And, uh, you know, Nathan is, uh, I'm going to let them share a little bit about their worship story. Uh, before we get into that, though, I really had a scripture as we were, as we were uh, worshiping today, and it's kind of a life verse for me. Um, but if you guys have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1 and 2, basically says this. It says, looking unto Jesus, uh, the author and the finisher of our faith. So when we sing those songs, you know, about him being the first and the last, we're really saying that. We're saying, Jesus, you're, you're the beginning of this thing, and you're the end. You see, Jesus is the goal. The goal isn't to have more accolades on the earth or in heaven even. The goal is Jesus. The goal is his presence. And we've been talking about this series about being fascinated. And, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm okay with living my life. And the end goal, all I get is Jesus. That's enough for me. And um, if you don't think it's enough, then I encourage you to explore him a little bit more. Because as you discover how wonderful he is and how wonderful, full of wonder, as you understand how amazing he is and how fascinating he is, you will also recognize that that's enough. And people that, because we can say that, right? I mean, it's easy to say that. And I think I've probably said that before in my life, but I didn't really believe it. Come on, Jesus isn't enough, but, but, uh, but I'm learning that really he is the prize and uh, he is the first and the last. So I, I encourage you, you know, when you're dealing with that stuff, when you're, when you're, you know, it says looking unto Jesus, who's, who's the author and the, the finisher, one translation says the perfecter of our faith. So he is perfecting you and, uh, and he's also, he's also planning perfection for you and, um, and he is perfect, and he's really the place. But I, I just encourage you when you're going through that difficulty, when you're struggling, just just know that Jesus is perfecting. Jesus is perfect, perfecting, right? He might not you, you might not see him in this situation, and sometimes he might not be perfecting. The situation is what you think is perfect. Come on, because <laughs> we have in our mind what we want it to look like. But the most important thing is that he's perfecting you. And uh, you're not perfect yet, and neither am I, um, but we're all, we're all working. So anyway, uh, we're going to do this conversation today. So I'm going to let uh, ladies first, my lovely wife, share a little bit just about like your history uh, with worship, um, you're calling, just, just share a little bit, kind of let everybody know what's up with that. All right. If I go in and out, it's my microphone, okay? I accidentally pulled its guts out, mm -hmm. but I shoved them back in. Okay. Well, um, my name is Leslie Brown, and I just love worship. I just have such a heart and a desire just to honor God. And, and I, I came to the realization probably around middle school, about 20 years ago, that if if God is really what it's all about, if, if it's really all about Jesus and this is all for him and in the end we just go to heaven and we be with him and we worship forever, why, like, why don't we want to honor him now that much now? Like why, you know, even though I was like, you know, 12 years old and, and I, at, not that my parents weren't Christians because I was raised in a Christian home, but 
I just, I had never seen a whole lot of zeal for God. Like I'm just pressing after God with everything I had. And, and I just came to this realization if, if this is really all about God and it's really all for him, why am I not doing something now? Why am I not passionately pursuing him now? It doesn't matter that I was 12 years old and, and, and I didn't wait until high school or I didn't wait until I graduated and went to Bible college. I just decided right then that I was going to passionately pursue God with my life. And, um, I remember being in a worship service and, and feeling like I wanted to raise my hands, but I didn't see that very often, um, within my family. And so I just was kind of nervous and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I'll share this again later, but, um, you know, I just, I just got back to where like my, my parents couldn't see me and I just fully abandoned myself to God. And I just started worshiping him the way that I felt like I wanted to in my heart for so long, but hadn't been. And I just really feel like it was then that I realized that there was just this connection in the presence of Jesus and in worship that I didn't want to stop. I just wanted that to linger. I wanted that to be um, my life song. And so I've just been worshiping God ever since um, that. And I started leading worship um, several years after that, while I was still in high school, I started leading worship and um, I have just been involved in worship ministry somehow for about 15 years, whether it's in the band or the leader. Um, and we've been, we've played in different places and different churches and different stuff, but I just love worship and I just feel that God um, connects best with me there. I'm not saying that for everybody, but for me. Yeah. Well, kind of um, just to kind of tag into Leslie's story a little bit, we started leading worship. We youth pastored in El Paso for 11 years and I was always the worship leader there. I was the youth pastor and then the worship leader for the youth. And I actually had been leading worship longer than I had been preaching. And um, we just, man, we had some really uh, powerful, in fact, Nathan's a product of that, just a, 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 an environment of worship. And uh, Leslie, we didn't have sing, we wouldn't allow singers in the band and, um, because it just created drama because you have all these high school girls that want to sing and be seen on the stage and couldn't sing very good. I mean, it's just typically what happens in a youth ministry context. And so everybody wants to be in, on the stage and sing because someone told them they could sing one time. And so um, so we decided that we weren't going to have singers on stage because we didn't want it to be this competition. And so my thing was, hey, we can have singers, but you got to have an instrument. So you, you, you can be in the band. We didn't really have... Uh, singers and worship team. We had a band. And so in order to, to sing in the band, you had to play. And so Leslie was a really good singer. I didn't really know it, uh, but she learned to play the bass. And uh, Well, I knew that I, I knew I could get in there. Right. So I actually got a bass and taught myself. And I knew that within a couple months, I would get a microphone right. too. And so we got her in, in the band. So I got, I taught myself bass so that I could sing. Right. <laughs> and so we started leading worship together. I was leading worship already there. And then we started leading worship together, what, um, probably about 2002, 2003, something like that. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of our, our history together. And then when we left El Paso in 2010, was it 2010? I kind of, I stopped leading. I, I still played from time to time. I still play from time to time here. Um, but it was kind of a hard thing to lay down, but I knew that God wanted you pass to pass the reins us. to me. That's right. You hold the reins. Okay, go ahead. That was it. Mine kind of quick, but uh, same thing. Uh, same thing as Leslie. I grew up in a Christian home, but um, I never really got God. I never really understood God. All I knew was my mom would talk about him in these amazing ways because she experienced him as a teenager, and her life got totally transformed. I mean, she had me, you know, um, with her boyfriend and you know, my, my biological father, and she didn't live for the Lord at all. And then she came and had an encounter with God, and she would talk about these amazing things that God would do and all this stuff. But I never saw that stuff ever. So I always knew there's something to God that I'm not seeing in these Baptist churches that we're going to. Not nothing wrong with Baptist churches. It's just because they don't, they don't 
operate in the spirit. You know, they don't, they don't, yeah, the ones that I was going to weren't operating in the spirit. They didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. They thought that he was just, you know, just, you know, he didn't operate uh, today the way he did back then in biblical times. And so anyways, um, I didn't serve the Lord for a long time. In fact, uh, I considered myself an agnostic for a while. I just didn't really want to give up God. I was too scared to give up God because what if, you know, lightning struck me right then and there. But at the same time, I didn't, I didn't believe. And so um, my cousins went to Josh and Leslie's church in El Paso, their, their, their youth uh, movement, and uh, and uh, they were like, hey, you should come. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I had been like to so many youth groups. My mom was always putting me in youth groups. She was always like, go, go, go. You need to go to youth groups. You need to serve the Lord. And I'm like, eh, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then finally my cousins were like, hey, we're going to this one. You should really come. I think you'd really like it. And I came, and it was unlike any youth group I'd ever been to, ever. And uh, I encountered the Lord there. I, I literally encountered all the things that my mom would talk about. She'd talk about, you know, the presence of God and how he weighs you down, like, on your shoulders. And it's, like, it's pressing. And it's, there's, like, heat that overcomes you. But at the same time, it's, like, it's like oh, it's just amazing. And like, I was just, like, okay, whatever. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I encountered that. Like, and it was, it was crazy. Um, we came to YFN here at, uh, in Dallas for, uh, you know, a summer. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit, man. And Kim Walker was singing How He Loves. And right when she does that, Benning Liebscher, the director of Jesus Culture, he's there, and he does an altar call for baptism of the Holy Spirit. And right when she, like, sings the chorus, like, boom, it hit me, dude. And uh, I just got, you know, over, overcome with the, with the Holy Ghost. And from that moment on, I knew I was called I was called to ministry, and I was called to, I don't know, to just host the presence of the Lord the way I encountered him in the hope in the presence of the Lord so and I did want to spend a little bit of time today talking about just kind of moments in worship uh, that really impacted us and, and y'all have already shared a little bit I, I actually have like three stories that I wanted to share that were they were all brief they were kind of in different context and I was at that camp also I remember being there uh, Kim Walker was there and and um, you know I'd experienced the Lord in a lot of ways and they were singing a song uh, one night called uh, where you go I go and you know, where you go, I go, Jesus. And uh, there's a part when uh, it was written by Brian and Jen Johnson, but but there was a part in there that they added that said, um, what was the, uh, you, you are good, whenever she said, you are good, God. And she just kind of goes off in this vamp part of the song. And so I'm there with, like, as the youth pastor, like, working with my kids. It was one night during the, the same camp that Nathan experiences. And I remember I was standing in the aisle. I could take you into that room where it is. And it felt like, Kim Walker's up there leading worship, and it felt like she was inside of me. I have no other way to ex- explain it. Like, it's like she was inside of me singing, uh, you are good. And I just remember just joining in that chorus. And just that was probably, and I've got three that I was going to share today, but that was one of the most powerful moments that I've had as just a worshiper, like someone being in a corporate setting, not being on stage. Most of the great experiences I have have been there, not necessarily on stage. Uh, but I remember that night, you know, if, 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 if there was such a, the voice around me and the voice coming from the stage, it was just so strong and powerful. And I just remember joining that and that agreement. And it's just this strong, just the, the awareness of God's goodness was just, was so was so awesome. So, uh, babe, do you do you, do y'all have any other stories to share, possibly about just worship times that really are markers? You know. Well, I think um, one thing that always really blesses me is kind of when the music starts to fade down and the music, the voices, you know, the heartbeat of the song just continues. You know, I think it was about a year ago. You know, we're in this old building and we've kind of got a hold of everything, but 
when we first started meeting here, the breakers would go off all the time and we would just be, you know, worshiping and getting down and then boom, and all you hear all of a sudden is just the voices. But, you know, it just blessed my heart so much. And I remember still to this day that, that all the instruments, everything just dropped, you know, especially our drums, everything's electric. So it was just nothing. And the heart of the house and, and the song just kept on singing forward. And it wasn't like anybody just stopped and was like, Oh, that that's over because we lost, you know, we lost the break or whatever, but it was like, except for the pastor, he was freaking out. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> you ran, you ran and flipped right, it back, right. but you know, it was like the song just kept going. And, and I think that that's just so important for us to remember that it doesn't matter if there's a guitar playing, it doesn't matter, you know, what is, what is going on. The heart of worship doesn't require music. And, and so it just, it just blesses my heart, you know, or sometimes you hear like on a live worship CD when they're recording and, and sometimes as a worship leader, you know, you can be like, I'm going to the next song, but they're still singing the last one. And it's just like, it just rings out and whatever the Lord's ministering to people in that moment, like it's not over. And so they just, you know, they keep on, on singing, even though the music has, you know, from the stage has stopped. And I think that that just, that's when a lot of breakthrough can come. A lot of strongholds in your life can be broken because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the skeleton. It's, it's not the, it's not the flesh. It's not the, you know, the music that's carrying it. It's just the bones of it, you know, the heart of it getting right down to the core of, of what's going on and, and, you know, no fluff and no lights and no, you know, smoke. And it's just, you know, between you and Jesus and what you're crying out to him. And I think sometimes like maybe even as worshipers or, you know, worship leaders also, a lot of times it's, it's so easy to focus on a song, right? Oh, that song's so powerful. And I think it's really, and to Leslie's point, I think it's always important to remember, although there are some, you know, there's power on, on certain songs. I believe that, but really no matter how powerful the song, the song is just a vehicle. It's just something that we're getting in and driving. So whether it's a song that you like or a song that you hate, like the song is just a vehicle for you to worship. And I, I'm convinced that you can worship in, uh, in any setting. And I, I'm going to use that uh, to piggyback on this story. Is, um, one, of the, one of the darkest hours of my life, we went, and this is so strange to encounter God in this context. We go, we go to a skillet concert. All right, Nathan makes fun of me because, <laughs> you know, this is back in the day, you know, before they were like huge. And we go, and it was an outdoor concert, and they had just released an album a couple of years before that, or a year before that, or something. It was called Ardent Worship, and it had that song "Shout to the Lord" on there. You guys remember that song? And um, and so this is a rock show, like production, the whole thing. And they just strip it down for a minute, and they just go after God. And uh, you know, and then was, they did that angels bow down. The song angels, too. angels fall down. Yeah, and we were just on the dirt, and they yes. were th- they were on a stage that was barely this tall, right? And it just came down from the lights uh, to the boom. Yeah, just and I just remember, I remember one of the most in- intense encounters I've ever had with the Lord was at a at a rock show. You know, it wasn't some anointed, quote unquote, worship leader, you know, but it was really about the position of our heart. And I remember I was going through a lot. I was deep, deep. And I'm not going to go into the details in in the darkest era of my life. I mean, it was just entering that. And I just remember it was in it was in Andrews, Texas, which is like, you know, a place that has like a gas station and a Dairy Queen. And it was like in this in this kind of dirt. It was just outside in the middle of nowhere, literally. And uh, we're having this, like, crazy, like, encounter. And, our, you know, I don't know if the other ministries that were there, they were experiencing the Lord. And our students knew kind of what was going on in my life. And, and uh, God just did this great thing. And so it really wasn't about who was the worship leader. You know, it wasn't like Hillsong United was up there or Jesus Culture. It was just, it was this rock band, you know, this, like, radio band, you know, that weren't even, you know. I just remember that that was such a powerful moment. So. Yeah. Uh, for me, the last one that really kind of stands out to me is at CFNI when I was there. Uh, Gabe Allred was the worship leader 
which he's the, for those of you guys that are there at CFNI right now, uh, he's the worship leader, uh, worship pastor at Trinity in Cedar Hill. Uh, but he was, the, he was the worship director there for a little while. And um, I remember there was once, there was one um, morning when, I think it might have been a T&E, which t and is, uh, on Tuesday nights we have worship uh, at the school at, at Christ for the Nations up here. And um, it was either in the morning, during our morning chapel, or t and and uh, he's, they're all singing, right? They're all, we're all worshiping. But there was something about the way the, 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 the school body came together and we're just worshiping in one accord. Like it wasn't like these people in this sector, you know, this section were worshiping and these were just kind of, you know, everyone was gathered in, in the song to the, to the Lord. And like, you know, and so when the Lord tells us that whenever we lift up his name, that whenever we're, we're worshiping him, he like, He's enthroned on the praises of his people. Like right. he will literally, it's like to be enthroned. It's like he sets his throne there. His yeah, dominion right. is in that room, yeah. and he's, he's he's enthroned on the praises of his people. And we were all praising him in one accord. There's something about the way we all just came together worshiping the Lord, dude. That in that room that day, I literally thought that like rain was gonna come, heavenly rain was gonna come through the roof, like <laughs> in the building. Like you know, it's not an open. It's not the Cowboy Stadium. You know, mm-hmm. like where the rain could come. No, it's like a building. You know. And uh, I literally felt like everyone was on their knees. Everyone was just, you could just hear like sniffling, crying, laughing, you know, everything. And uh, every, all the worship leaders on stage were like on their knees, on their face. And, and it was just such a heavy moment. I, I honestly like, that's one of the moments that I've, I've never really felt God like that since, you know. And uh, I mean, we, we can encounter that. We don't have to be in those settings. But that's just one setting that I remember this is crazy. Like you literally feel that the weight of God on you and like, you're like, there's no way that, that, you know, that this is fake. Like I'm not, I've never felt this before, you know, you know, so that's one of the best times, you know, you got another one. I I was thinking, um, you know, Nathan was talking about the weight and we we talked about that in week two about, you know, the glory and and what that actually means is the glory of God. We talk about the glory of God. We're talking about his weight, the kabod, the, the weight of God. And so, that's how, you know, you know, I think people, we get a little funny sometimes and we, you know, a lot of people will call that like the anointing, but really what we're talking about is, is God made himself evident in the, in the place. And we, we, we talked about that. We did a study in that in week two of the, the weight came and, uh, you know, some of us will experience that through weeks and, and please understand in these stories, we're not saying, um, that these are like idols in our life and, but we look at these as markers and, you know, we're always making markers in our journey, right? And, and these are great things to do. And I, we would encourage you that and, and document the stories and the things, you know, have a spiritual journey or a, a running note in your phone that you're documenting some of these times uh, that whenever there's a season of dryness or you're not experiencing those things, you have that as a reference point of, oh yeah, I'm doubting God today, but how could I doubt him? I remember that moment. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking about like the weight, and this is kind of a little bit weird, um, but I, I got to share it because it, it really is one of the one of the craziest things that ever happened to me. So we used to have these nights uh, when we were in El Paso, and we called we had a different names for them, but it was called Flow. It was we would just get together and we would just have an hour of spontaneous worship. We would have one song. The band had practiced five minutes before we started, and we would just play this one song, and we'd just go into like prayer and intercession and worship God for an hour. So we kind of used the car to get us there, and then we just stayed in music and just played. And so we were having uh, one of these nights, and I believe it was one of those nights, and we kind of had a side stage that had these little stairs and a little, little uh, stage on the side there. So I went over there, and I just sat down, and I had my guitar, and I was just playing. And the, the, 
the heavy weight of God just like come on me. I mean, we were having crazy times. Like we were seeing like, you know, just just. I would, people are having visions and dreams, all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm sitting over there, and not this night, but the season we were in. And, and I'm sitting on the stage, on the step of the stage, and I'm just, you know, just hitting the G chord, you know, on my guitar. One of the few chords I know. You know, and everybody's like, oh, you know, kids. There was probably, there wasn't even a lot of people there. There was probably a dozen people there. And people are all over the floor and just pressing into God. And just the weight. It was so heavy, like I felt it even in my bowels, like inside of me. I actually had to, like, I never ever had to in, in all of my all of the ministry. I've never had to pee or anything else during during when I was preaching or leading worship. It's never happened for some reason. I don't know if it's a adrenaline thing or what, but I've never had it in in that moment. I'm always afraid it's going to happen, but it's never <laughs> happened. And so, and I, I mean, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And so I'm there in this moment, and it this overcoming weight just hammers my body and it's like, I'm being squished. I'm not even lying. And I have to, you know, go, go to the restroom. <laughs> like, and I actually literally had to lay my guitar down, turn my volume down and go to the restroom and come back. So it's just weird. I know that might be kind of gross for some of you, but, but what I'm emphasizing here is, is there is a tangibility that can come, you know, that, that, that will overtake you at times. And when we invite him to come in, and that's really what we're doing when we worship him, when we, we fix our gaze on him, when we invite him to come in in that way, then he, he's going to come and he's going to do things that are a little out of your box. So I'd encourage you, when you, when you do worship, kind of get off the theological page. And listen, I'm all about being a clear thinker, loving God with all your mind, you know, being, you know, having answers and having, but when Jesus shows up, I'm not trying to fit him into my theology. I'm trying to develop my theology around who he is on my revelation of him, obviously grounded in scripture. Um, but making sure that, that, I, that I allow, and we, we talked about this last week that I allow my, the areas in which I do not know him, that I allow him to be known. Because the problem with having good theology is, is I have a lot of good answers. And I've told someone this yesterday. The problem with having answers is that once you have answers, you don't have more questions in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. But, um, you know, I know is an end. Right? right? Yeah. But when we don't know, and like we can know, and that's why I said last week, you know, that when someone says, well, God loves you, don't, don't let your answer be I know. Say I'm learning. And, uh, and so in these moments, I make sure that – not necessarily that I throw my theology out the window because I don't – I think it's important that, we, that we're aware and, and smart. But in my pursuit of him that I say, okay, God, just show me who you are. Like I don't really have a scripture. I don't really have a book. I don't have anybody telling me the way I'm supposed to experience you. Would, would you just show me who you are? And I think those moments are so important to allow him to just come. And then these provide these markers uh, that, we, that we talk about. Um, I wanted to talk about, we, we talked about that songs are just a vehicle, but I want to talk about the power of the song. Basically, when I, when I, when I talk about the power of the song, talk about the power of the corporate gathering. You know, when, you, when we go to a gathering, any, any kind of song, whether it be a worship service in a, in a church or you go, you know, uh, Garth Brooks, I think, was in town a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't like country music. I hate country music. <laughs> uh, but apparently a lot of people went and he ended up going like four <laughs> nights and it was sold out or something like that. Um, but everybody talked about how powerful it was in the room with a man who, as far as I know, doesn't know Jesus, or, or, nor, or maybe he does it, but he's not really glorifying Jesus. The point of them coming together isn't to glorify the Lord, but they're coming together to sing, you know, um, 
Yeah, his song says, you know, about getting his truck back or something. Or, you know, how his w- woman left his dog died. Uh, you know, I got friends in low places. You know, here's all these people singing, I got friends in low places, and there's a power of the song. And, um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, when we come together, when we sing uh, that song, what do you guys have to add? Talk about that a little bit, the power of song. Well, Nathan kind of touched on it earlier when he was saying about how when they were at CFNI and it was like everybody was doing the exact same thing. And I just really feel like it's so powerful. And just exactly like Josh was saying with the Garth Brooks thing, you know, I have never been to um, a professional sports event. Um, I was a cheerleader in high school, and so I know that to some degree. But like Josh went to a Jets game when we were in California um, to see Brett Favre. And he came back and he was just kind of telling me, right, Jets? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, you looked at me like I was telling a lie, so I was like, what? Um, Just looking at you like you're a high school cheerleader. Oh, jeez. Anyways. Um, And so, well, okay. Um, But, you know, he came back and he told me, he was like, it was like electric, you know, like everybody was cheering and it was so loud and you couldn't, you know, it was, there was just this atmosphere. And, you know, that's, that's, that's so similar to when we want to, worship Jesus. It's not about the song, but it's about the common thing that's bringing everybody together. So whether it's a sports team or a country rock concert, whatever, when everybody's focus and everybody's thought is on the same thing, you know, there's, it's just this electric atmosphere. And that's when we see like, even in the old Testament, when they were building the tower of Babel or whatever, they were all mentally on the exact same page and they were going to achieve this, you know, this stairway to heaven. And it was just, you know, it's just crazy that when we really all come together and we really all put our focus on one thing. And of course here we want that to be the presence of God and Jesus himself. But you know, there's just something about it. So it doesn't matter if we're singing the ABCs, if we're all just like pressing in and declaring that we want Jesus to come, it doesn't matter what the words we're singing are. It doesn't matter, you know, what's going on. It's just, it's just exactly what he said. When everybody comes together, Jesus comes and he enthroned, you know, he dwells in the praises of his people. What's crazy about that is that there's in these events and I'm not being critical of the event, but in these events, like the Lord isn't being glorified. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like the King of glory is there. You know, the one who has the power to do miracles is in that place. So how much more should it be, you know, when we come together? It's, it's synergy. Um, TF, yes. Will, Will Ford at TF and I talks about it all the time. Synergy is what brings, there's something about synergy. It doesn't need to be glorifying the Father. Yeah. You know, you can, also, right. we went to the Pittsburgh game, uh, Pittsburgh versus San Diego a couple weeks ago. And Brooke, my wife, she's a Cowboys fan. Just the just with um, with us being at that um, at that game, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh fan and um, I'm married to a Cowboys fan, and so that's kind of we'll pray. For, we're praying but it out. This is the crazy. This is the great thing. It's like um, there were more Pittsburgh fans there at the game than there were San Diego fans. It was a it was a home game. You know, all the San Diego fans were like, "Hey, this is a Pittsburgh home game. This is crazy because of how many Pittsburgh fans there are." I don't know if you guys have ever seen a Pittsburgh game, but they all wave these things called terrible towels, and they're like this. Awesome bright yellow, yellow, bright yellow towels. And the whole stage, you just see all these yellow towels just flooding the whole place. And you're just like, whoa, this is awesome. Like, you don't need to like the Pittsburgh Steelers to say, like, that's kind of cool looking. Right. You know? Switch it out with your team's favorite color or your team's color. And you're going to be like, oh, sick. That's awesome. You know? <laughs> well, dude, it was so awesome. That game was so amazing. And just with, with everybody around us cheering this one team on together, Brooke is now. I'm pretty sure she's a Pittsburgh fan. Oh, she's she left the satanic cult of cowboys, <laughs> you know. But uh, 
<laughs> Pastor Josh will agree. <laughs> Anyways. Tr- anyway. Trying to grow our church in the Metroplex, so <laughs> just keep my opinions to myself right now. I guess the Cowboys are all right. But anyways, that, that all has synergy, to, synergy. <laughs> all has to talk. It's just all about synergy, man. Like, there's something about the power of synergy, and it's just really cool. Um, but yeah. Nathan likes the black and gold. I like the green and gold. So, but we'll we'll talk about that later, huh? Um, I, w- I want to talk about you know one of the things that because we we are talking a lot about music. You know, music plays a role. And when I got saved in the early '90s. You know, there were a whole lot of campaigns. You guys would freak out, um, y'all that are under, you know, 35. Uh, if you were a Christian in those days, you didn't listen to anything but Christian music, you know, because there was a belief that there was actually a spirit in the music that even like if it was Christian, like there were there were people that I knew that would listen to non-Christian music that was very vulgar or very just worldly, and they'd have a problem with Christian music that was like Petra or something back then that had like guitar because they thought that there was something demonic about the sound. And um, we don't particularly believe that, that there is a spirit in the music. However, the person that is playing the music communicates something uh, spiritual. You know, David played, um, you know, when, when, when Saul was basically possessed by demons, for lack of a better word, uh, he had these, these evil spirits that would come upon him. David would go in with a harp and play, and when he played, the spirits left him. Now, was it, the, was it the harp or the song, or was it David? I think it was David, because David had this connection with God. But he used music as a medium, because I believe that music is a language of the soul. And so I, I do think it is something that we need to protect and, and value in our life. But, but talk about that a little bit, the power of the song with you know, with music, do you have anything to add? Well, on kind of, kind of before I get there, what you were just saying is, um, you know, Lucifer, before he was cast out of heaven for, you know, trying to equate himself to God, he was the minister of music. That was his role. And so there is power in music. Um, and it, you know, it was something that God set up from the foundations. And so what Josh was saying is the spirit of music is, it can be so many different things. And, and I think that's why, Nowadays, like if you hear a song, you know, like in West Philadelphia, born and raised on <laughs> chilling out, Max, and relaxing all cool. Anyways, okay, you know a song once it's in your head, once it's in your head, you know it for the rest of your life, you know. And and is, there's just so much power, I'm sorry, power in that, and it and it can even take you back into a place. You know, there's some songs that that we were doing. Um, even church, even Christian worship songs that we were doing in a, in a kind of a bad transition of our life. And even now I hear them and I'm like, Ugh, like it just instantly, bring, it instantly brings me back to that. And I have to remember that the song is about Jesus no matter what, but there's just so much power in music in general, because it is something that, that was created to just worship Jesus. And then the one who was, who had the, you know, the ministry of music fell. And, you know, it says in the Bible that the callings of God are irrevocable. You know, Satan didn't lose, Lucifer didn't lose the ability to control music when he was kicked out of heaven. That was still what he was created to do. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that music can play such a big part in our lives, even when we're not even intentionally recognizing it. And so definitely, you know, songs are markers and, you know, you'll remember things from them and, and it's important to always just point it back to Jesus that, you know, that it's, it's for him. It's about him. The, the reason that music was created was to bring him worship and, and, and just allow that to be our, our focus and not focus on the individual song, but that the, that the creation of music was, was for God's purposes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily 
recommend this in every, you know, in every occasion or anything like that. But at CFNI, there was one time uh, Gabe Ballred was um, we're leading, he was leading worship, right? And it was amazing. And for those for those of us that are under, you know, 35, 40, we didn't. I like old music, so like I. Like I, I know what the song was, but most most kids in that uh, in that room didn't under, didn't know what the song was. But he he just goes off, and it's like it's an amazing time of worship. And then he goes into, "I want to know what love is. I want you to show me right." So he's he's going off of that, and we're all like, "Oh yes, I want to know what love is, Lord, show me." They had no idea that that was some you know '80s love song or whatever, and not for Jesus, you know. And but the Lord used that. To glorify him, and I believe, I mean, I know in that moment, that was that was an, another awesome moment of, like, when he sang that, it, like, changed, it just changed something. Something switched in the, in the worship. It's kind of like he reconnected the dots. Yeah. Like he had a it new was, connection for that. Oh, it was just so good. And, like, it, yeah. And then, honestly, in, in that moment, I didn't even make the connection. I wasn't like, oh, 80s love song. I was like, yes, Lord, I want to know what love is. like. A, right. And then later on, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. My dad listened to this stuff. To, sang it to my mom, you know? Well, wasn't so, there somebody else that did that one time with the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand? Yeah, I heard a story one time. Winky Pratney was sharing that they were at a worship conference, and he said that um, they were this huge worship conference. They were up there leading, and they started singing back, I want to hold your hand, but, like, to God. And so they're like, I want to hold your hand. <laughs> right there singing it like the Beatles. And then he, they actually said that the glory of God showed up like in a cloud. And like the people weren't all like, yay, the Lord, glory's here. Like people were freaking out. Like the drummer was hiding behind the drums and people were getting behind their chairs. They were like, there was a, because there is a terror in, in, in the awesomeness of God. You well, know, in the unexplainable. In the unexplainable. There is a, a fear that will overcome us. That's, I mean, that's why we have to have Jesus to approach the Father. But, but I'll, I'll never forget that story uh, about how just kind of reconnecting dots, I think, is really important. Because even though there's, the spirit's not in the music, in that being that a particular sound doesn't necessarily equate, equate evil. Right. However, there are connectors because music is the language of the soul, and it is a way to communicate there are connectors, you know, like when you're depressed, you probably don't want to go, you know, listen to a song in a bunch of, you know, minor chords and stuff, because it's going to bring you down. You need probably need to listen to something a little bit more upbeat. You know know what I'm saying? Y'all that understand music know that you guys don't like you hear a song and you're like, that's a sad song. And you don't want to hear a sad song when you're sad. You do, but you shouldn't. Right. right, right. And so that's important that we, you know, would do that with music. And, um, anything else on that guys about, just the power of song and that's mainly it i think it's just knowing that mm-hmm. like there is power in music there's power in in song that you know even a song that was worldly mm-hmm. that i don't right. recommend to do every you know yeah all the time but like even in a song that is worldly that is that wasn't meant to glorify god you know there's power in that song and when this and, you know when the focus was on the lord when everybody's pressed into to jesus and that's the song of the Spirit. If that's what the Spirit was singing at that moment, and that's what He wanted us to sing out to Him, you know, you can even use that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just really. Cool. And I even remember one time too in El Paso when we had that when we were he was talking about when we had the flow services and we would just worship for an hour. We we did the tag of "You Are So Beautiful," oh, yeah. you know. You are so beautiful to me. You know, and it was like he was singing that. Yeah, it was like he was Alfalfa from the Little Rascals. You know, and it was like. <laughs> it was like he was it was like he was singing that song to us that we were beautiful to him you know and so sometimes we'll get these songs that'll pop into our head and and it's because we already like I said you know you've heard a song you know it forever and God wants to give you you know a new memory for those songs you know, there's also several inst- uh 
instances in scripture where people actually prophesied on instruments, you know, that um, they would come in. Like we see that with David. We see before uh, when, when Samuel was anointing uh, Saul as king, it said that they came in with instruments and they were actually prophesying. And, and prophesy, we, we think automatically, we think that means they're telling a future event. But really what prophecy is in the prophetic is it just means it's communicating what he, what's going on in heaven. And so if, if it's if it's heaven's heart, if it's God's affections for someone, then that can be prophesied through music. Some of the things that you're feeling through music could be sometimes um, being prophetic of what God is feeling over you. And so that's why it's important, you know, to engage during, there's no music, but you're still being ministered. I mean, there's no singing, but you're still being ministered to by music. It's because God is communicating to you through that vehicle of the sound. And uh, so there is some powerful things there. I would also say, because music does have that tangibility to be careful uh, to a certain degree, you know, I don't know. I don't think that means that you need to go out and burn your albums like we used to do when I, in the nineties, when I got saved, that's kind of how I knew I was saved. I went and burned all my music, right? Um, that's just what you did back then. If you're really saved, you give up your music, you know? So I wouldn't remember getting rid of all my albums and, you know, throwing them in the trash and then having a, you know, a burning service. I know that that sounds so weird to y'all, but, um, because we knew the power of music and I knew for me, uh, those are very powerful moments and, and something that I've chosen to consecrate. But, um, but that's not everybody. And we, well, kind we of an example of what you were just standard. saying about, about how, you know, the prophesy with music is it, sometimes there's like instrumental, instrumental music, like yes. Kenny G or even Christmas oh, albums yeah. that are just on just instrumental. There's no words, but as soon as you listen to it, it just gets you in this, mm-hmm. you know, the Christmas mood or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't require words. Always the, the music can take you from one feeling that you're currently feeling and it can, you know, Music sex, oh, I mean, man. I can break out with I'll be home for Christmas. Like, and, and immediately you I feel the nostalgia of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it takes me back to when I'm a kid on a cold winter morning. Like, it's like, that doesn't go away. It's, mm-hmm. just, it, it's marked me. It yep. really has. Uh, I don't know how you could turn that around for the <laughs> Lord, but. Um, wh- what would you say to someone, uh, guys, that maybe struggles with the corporate setting. Okay. They come in and they're like, I'm not really a worship person. Like I'm a word person or, you know, I'm really struggling in the, in the corporate setting, you know, experiencing what you're talking about. What would you say to a person that's, that's kind of dealing with that? Um, yeah. Um, for me, what really helped me, cause I was also that kid growing up and in youth groups, I was always that guy that was like, you know, the front row girls, they were all wearing dresses. They were the ones who and everybody else, including myself, were just there in the back, like, right. you know, I, 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 just give me the word, you know, like, I don't like the music, and I was that guy, and um, I remember going to Pastor Josh's church, and, like, he would just, he would encourage us, he would push us, he'd be like, guys, like, press into worship, you want to encounter God, just press in, it's not about you, you know, it's like, I'm not comfortable with this, well, it's not about, you know, worship's about the Father, worship's about the Lord, and he wouldn't say it necessarily harshly, but he would say it in a way where you're like, oh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's true. You know, it's not about me. Worship's not about how I get to feel during the song. It's about... Or the song, or the band, or the, or exactly. the preference. Not, none of that. Style. It has nothing to do with the style. I didn't like the style of a lot of this, you know, the songs that we would sing, at the churches that I, that I grew up in. But, you know, and that's why, you know, I would do this. You know, I would just wouldn't, be, I wouldn't participate. But I remember Josh one time spoke about uh, how Moses and Ezekiel 17, uh, he was in battle, right? You know, they... Um, the Amalek people or whatever came and attacked the Israelites while Moses, you know, was leading them. And Josh was talking about how, like, in worship, 
we need, you know, we need to press in. We need to use our body. We need to like get physically into it, and if we want to like really encounter God. And he used the story of Moses, how whenever he would lift his hands during the, the, the battle, they would win. They would start to win during this battle when he would lift his hands up. And when he'd drop his hands, they start to lose. The Amaleks would start to win and prevail. Yeah. And so, like, he'd get, you know, uh, uh, Aaron and, 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 and I and guess her. another guy would yeah. come in. And, and, it was yeah, Aaron and her, actually. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And they would come and hold his hands up because in that moment, you know, as, as Moses was lifting his hands up, you know, and that's kind of symbolic of just worshiping, giving glory to God, you know, like, Lord, you know, you have the victory or whatever. That's when they start to win. You know, you want to see victory in your worship. You want to see victory in your life. You want to encounter God in your worship. Press in. Yeah. You know, it was, it was hurting him. Like, he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, my arms are tired. I, we've been fighting for hours. Yeah. You know, and in that moment, they, they realize that that is what's going to bring the victory. For some reason, there's just something about whenever you press in, when you physically give of yourself in worship, you, you present that as an offering, like, there is a victory there, man. You want to encounter more of him? Give more of yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that that's uh, – from people that I know that, you know, we would consider like worshipers. Oh, man, they're just really into the worship thing. You know, they're really worshipers. I, I think that that's usually the mark, um, kind of the, the difference, kind of the threshold that we cross. So when, when we recognize, you know, it really isn't about me. And, in fact, one of my favorite things that David said is that he said that I will not offer to God something that costs me nothing. Mm. And I, I think that many times we view that a time of worship is what I'm comfortable with, right? I mean, most people pick a church to what they're comfortable with, but really worship should be a time that's uncomfortable to me, that a greater comfort may come. And, um, you know, I, I just can't get over that. You know, that what happened is they, they said, here, David, take the field and then you can offer it to God. And he said, he said, no, you don't get it. See, I've got to give God something that where it hurts a little. It's got to hurt a little in order for me to give it to God and a sacrifice. We know that Jesus was sacrificed, absolutely, but there is also, you know, in the New Testament, sacrifice isn't required or demanded under the New Covenant. It's something that's offered, and, it, and it's a joy and a pleasure to sacrifice, you know. Uh, Jason Upton sings a, sings a song, that it, this line, and it always ministers to me. He says, this is no sacrifice. Here's my life. Like, other words, it's, because it's so beautiful, what we get out of it, it's like it might hurt a little bit at the beginning, but it's like, oh my gosh, I know how good it's going to be. Go ahead, babe. Well, kind of uh, when I preached a couple weeks back and I was talking about the cool thing about Jesus is that, you know, back in the old days or even still sometimes in the world where there's, you know, um, kings and, and whatnot, you know, you were demanded to bow before them and people didn't say, well, I'm not really the kneeling type, you know, you'd get your head cut off, you know? And so, you know, if, you know, that would be the people on the back row with their hands crossed, you know, it didn't matter if you wanted to, you know, when the King showed up, you got down and you, you know, you knelt. But the awesome thing about Jesus is that he gives us the option to choose because he wants us to want him. You know, it, he could have made us all just bow down before him. I want you to want me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but be, connecting dots for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jesus wants us to, to desire to worship him. So, you know, it's not that we have to bow down before him, but it's that we get to bow down before him and, and just the, just the desire to worship him. And, and, you know, sometimes it is going to be uncomfortable for you. I know, for example, I don't remember what year it was, but when we were at, at, you know, YFN, I think I've been at YFN. I was there as a camper. I was there as a youth leader. I was there as a youth pastor. So I don't remember what year it was. I think I was there 10 years, but, um, there was a uh, a band called Rhythm, and they were so good. But it was it was like, um, how, what genre would you consider that? 
not ska, but like, tr- trombones and like it was like soul music. Yeah, but it was you know, yeah. But like they they did worship and it was like that. And I had never really heard music like that. And the first night it was kind of like, I can't worship to this, you know. And then I was like, I had to check myself because I was like, it's not about me, you know. And it's about Jesus. And then after that, it was like one of our favorite CDs. And so we came back home and on Sunday morning, we would listen to it while we were getting ready for church. in the morning. Yeah. But it was sing with bum, 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 bum. Anyways, it was so cool. But to kind of add to that, whenever we came back from YFN, one of the I only went for two years as a camper. Um, and we came back from YFN, and it was the same year that I got like filled in the spirit and like I encountered God for real for the first time. Well, like, before that, you know, I grew up in the church, like I said, and I didn't like the style of music. I didn't like like K Love, like the the standard Christian radio music, like for the whole family, you know. Like I didn't like that stuff. It was just cheesy to me. I didn't like it, and uh, I hated going to church because of all that stuff. And uh, it, was just, it just didn't connect with me. Well, I came back from you know encountering the Lord with Jesus culture music and Bethel and all this stuff, and I come back and I turn on the radio because I didn't have any CDs. And I, like I, all I listened to was like death metal and you know just Satan stuff and you know I don't know and and uh, and so I turn on the, the radio because I'm like I don't have any like Christian CDs right now or anything. So I turn it on and it was Caleb, which is like the major Christian radio out there in El Paso, and like I'm encountering God through these songs that I hated before. Like yeah. And I started loving them. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, this is good. Why did I not like this song? This is good. You know, it was just like I changed my perspective on the song. You know, it wasn't about me. It was about the fact that I can encounter God through these songs that are glorifying him. They're glorifying him. You know, it's like it may not match your style. It may not match what you like. But, dude, it's glorifying the king. Like, right. Just get into it. You know, jump in. You know. But anyways. I uh, is are there any other like scripture stories? We actually the story that you shared in Exodus 17 is is kind of what I was thinking about, you know, sharing today. Like a story maybe that you know, and I've shared about David, maybe that stands out to you in scripture that you know something that a worship story either of David or somebody else in scripture that really stands out to you that is kind of a marker. For me, it's just the it's just the um, in Revelation when it, when it talks about the angels singing holy, holy, holy. Yes. I remember growing up as a kid, before anybody ever, like, mentioned this in a sermon, I remember thinking, that is going to be boring. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, dude, I'm going to be on a cloud somewhere, just, I don't know, like, naked with a kilt or something. Like, I'm going to be singing, like, these, <laughs> I'm going to be singing these, these songs, like, over and over and over and over. And I was literally like, do these guys never get bored? Like, come on. Like, I don't want to go to hell, but seriously, like, I don't know that I want to go to hell. That sounds like hell, know? yeah. And... <laughs> And so, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've been saved for several years at that, you know, now. And um, I went to, uh, to Kansas City one December, and Alan Hood, one of the directors at, at, at uh, IHOPU, International House of Prayer, he was, he was doing this sermon about, like, the, just the glory of Jesus and how, we, how every facet of him is inexhaustible. And we can't, it's going to take an eternity, just like Josh was talking about last week. It's going to take an eternity for us to even grasp just one facet of him. We can't exhaust his love or his grace or his mercy. Yeah. It's forever. And he was talking about how these angels uh, um, have eyes all over. And, these, uh, and it's all symbolic, but, like, you can picture these, these beings up there with, with eyes all over, and they're kind of creepy looking. But they're made with all these eyes because, you know, every time they turn around, they see a new facet of him, and they need all these eyes to even just kind of take in just yeah. a piece of God. And every single time they're like, holy, 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 like they can't get right. over the new facet that you just saw. Yeah. Like that's amazing. 
You know, and we think, oh, that's going to be kind of boring. No, we have no idea, like, mm -hmm. the glory of what God is going to look like. If these yeah. guys, we only have two eyes, guys. In heaven, mm -hmm. it says we're going to have heavenly bodies, but we're made in the image of God. You know, we're probably still going to have two eyes, maybe. I don't know. But they have many eyes. Right. They need all those eyes just to, you know, just to see that little bit of a glimpse of God. And even then, they're plastered on the floor singing, holy, holy, holy. Mm -hmm. And they can't get over him. And they do that for eternity, you know. And it's like I love that picture because it reminds me in, in the mornings that I'm not feeling it. And I'm not feeling it when I'm leading worship, believe that or not, you know. Sometimes we don't feel it when we're leading worship. Yeah, that's right. It reminds me in those moments, God, you are worthy. You are so holy and you're so, like, full of glory. Mm -hmm. And you deserve this, you know. And I just want to be consumed by you. I want to be reminded of your, of, of, your, of your, just your glory, you know. So good. So I just, that's one of my favorite Awesome. Well, I kind of have something, but it kind of goes Go for it. later. I'll, I'll touch on it in a second. Well, go ahead. We're, we're, we're going to wrap up soon, so why don't you share what you got there? Um, was about David. Did you want to precursor yes, that go first? Go ahead. You don't want to talk about David first before I share? Well, we talked a lot about okay. David. Just go ahead and share. Well, there's two different things about David that really impress on me in Scripture. And, you know, one of them is when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And and even though he was the king and, and everybody expected him to, you know, be pristine and, you know, act the way that you're supposed to act. You know, he stripped down to, you know, naked or just his like, you know, chonies. And he, you know, he was just he, he was just worshiping Jesus. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but all, I mean, in all seriousness, he was yes. just fully abandoned, so full of joy that the presence of God was coming back to his, you know, to his town, to his city. And, and he didn't care what anybody else thought. He, he just wanted to abandon himself before God. And, and, and even it says I would become more indignified than this, you know, and his wife, you know, his wife was watching him and it says in the scripture that she despised him in her, in her heart. And when, that when he came back that she was like, Oh, some King you are today. And, you know, and she judged him for the way that he was praising. And I think so many times we're guilty of that. We, we maybe don't actually ever go to somebody and say, Oh, you looked really dumb today during worship when you were twirling your whatever, you know, or when you were jumping up and down, whatever we don't, we don't, the stanky leg. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we might, we might not go to that person and tell them just the way that Michael went and told David, but it's still in our heart, you know, and, and we find out when Michael said that, you know, Michael being a woman, uh, uh, David's wife, it said that she, she despised him in her heart for how she, how he was worshiping. And then she told him that she rebuked him and she told him how foolish he looked. And it said from that point on that her womb was barren. Yeah, and right. I think it's so vital to, to learn from the story, not just from David, that we need to be fully abandoned in our worship for God and not care what anybody else thinks and just express our love for him because of what he's done from us and done for us. And even if just the salvation, if, if, if you feel like you've never received anything else from God, except for salvation, that's enough just to worship him yes, forever absolutely. that you're not, yes. you know, damned to the eternal flames. But, um, but the other side of the story is just as important. Important is that when you despise the worship of somebody else that, you know, you're really, putting yourself in a right. place to oppose, oppose God and yes, oppose what he wants. Right. And, and the other thing about David that I just love is, you know, we see in Psalm, it's just such a long, awesome book of, and it's really all just about worship. And sometimes, you know, some of the Psalms are like, you know, three verses long or whatever. And then some of them are like 189 right. verses long. But the thing I love about David is, you know, he was a songwriter. He was kind of like the first songwriter, but you know, some of his songs were like, holy is your name. We exalt you for your, you are worthy. No, no, no. You know, and then some of them were like, 
oh, that my enemy would yeah. just kill me now, you know? And, and it's so funny because... Kill my enemies. Right. Yeah. Well, he was like, they're chasing me down and right, whatever. Right. You know, I don't have, I don't have, I didn't pull up any to, to refer, but you know, David was just so real with God. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's what I got. That's what I get from the Psalm is he, if he was having a down day, you know, he was like, Oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? Where, you right, know, yeah. and, and you know, we don't get up here, you know, I don't lead worship and say, Oh Jesus, I screwed up yesterday. Right, right, right. You know, like oh, I shouldn't be up here leading right now right. because I'm not worthy. You know, but that's what David did. He just straight up made a song yeah. that was conveying whatever he was thinking and whatever was on his heart. And I think it's so important for us to remember that God knows our heart already to be honest. To with be, God. Yes, exactly. To be honest with God, because he already knows what we're thinking. He already, before we even think it. And the cool thing about Jesus is he, you know, in, in the, in the presence of worship, he wants to break those things off of us. So if we yes. come in and we're acting fake and we put the smile on and we, you know, just, just go along with it. He, he doesn't, he can't bring the freedom to us until we admit that we want the freedom and that we need the freedom. And so just being real with Jesus and, and singing what's and on is, your heart, you know, cause one of the things that we talked about, and I'm going to finish up with this is that we talked about how the praise proceeds, proceeds victory. And we see this so many times, but sometimes when we get to God and it's almost like a, the transition happens in that moment because I'm in this moment and I'm like, it sucks so bad and I don't know what I'm going to do. And God, don't you see? I mean, I, I don't know how many of y'all pray like that when like in your car, I, I'm like that. I'm like, man, God, what's up with that? Like, you know, we're dealing with this thing. I'm like, we're getting all this growth in the church, but there's still nobody that our, our, our older kids age that they can play with. I'm like, Lord, they made sacrifices to come and play at the church. And I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, but God, you were so good. And, and, and just to, to turn that to where I'm not focusing, I'm being honest with God where my heart is, but at the same time, I'm engaging my heart to focus on his goodness. And then it's in that moment that I start sensing victory, the emotional victory of saying, God, I'm not really focused so much on, you know, that it sucks that my kids are here. I'm asking that you intervene, but Lord, really the reason why I'm worshiping you today is because you're good. And, uh, I want to close with the scripture. I know we've gone a little bit long today and we could continue talking. I had a whole list of things, but, um, just time short, but it says this, and we, we talked about this in the, in, in the series week one, but it says this in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45, it says the kingdom is like a merchant who is looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And I, I think that out of this whole series, the thing that we're learning is that, that we, that we're learning that we really did buy a pearl of great price that whenever we're discovering Jesus, that it really does put an abandonment within us, not going, okay, Lord, how much is this thing going to cost me? Like, I know that there are probably several of you here today in your relationship with that, with God is that, okay, God, how much is this going to cost me? I'm not talking about money, but I am talking about money too. But how much is this going to cost me in my life? How much am I going to willing to lay down? But whenever we see Jesus for who he really is, that pearl of great price, Oh, man, it's easy to abandon everything, to sell all and say, God, I'm going after you because it really doesn't matter all the things that I have. It is so incomparable to your greatness. And I love what Nathan said. It's inexhaustive. Like we will we, we could do this series from from now forever. It's been one of my favorite series. It's inexhaustible. We'll talk about the love of God forever. We'll talk about the mercy of God forever. And we still will barely scratch the surface. And so I just encourage you in your pursuit of worship. And your pursuit of the reality of Jesus is you're just exploring him. And I really, that's really what worship is. It's just an ex- exploration. It's walking around the throne going, God, who are you? I, I just encourage you to just, just take hold of that and say, God, 
you are. And sometimes you do have to faith it. You know, sometimes you, you're not faking it, you're faith in it because you do know he's good and that is a greater reality, but you're asking God to reveal that. And um, I, I just encourage you to, to realize that, man, serving this man, this beautiful man is the greatest thing that we'll ever do. There's no accolade that is comparable to, to what we get and the value and the, the, this pearl of a great price. There is nothing, nothing more beautiful on the earth, not the praise of men, not the money of people, not the recognition. There's nothing more valuable than, than this one that we have that we will spend eternity gazing at, that we'll be locked in. There's nothing more. There's nothing more beautiful than him. 